This is the Private Practice Workshop Podcast with John Clark, episode 24. Today's episode is brought to you by Unconditional Media, the digital marketing team for therapists in private practice. Unconditional Media helps you help more people. Specializing in digital marketing services, including Google AdWords, search engine optimization, and coming soon, Facebook ads for therapists. Get in touch and learn more about the services at www.unconditional.media. That's www.unconditional.media. We've got a great show for you today. I'm sitting down with my friend Katie Keats May to talk all about creating and launching an online course. All right, let's dive in. All right, welcome to the show, Katie Keats May. Um, you have one of those names that is really fun to say. <laughs> I have heard that before. So my maiden name is Keats, Katie Keats, and then when I got married, it was May. But I had to keep the maiden name in there because everyone thought my first name was Katie May. Um, <laughs> so that's where we're at. Yeah, Katie May. It sounds. Um, I'm I'm from the South, so it sounds very Southern to me. Sounds very right. charming. That is what people were saying. Oh, Katie May, you're a they Southern Belle. And I'm like, <laughs> actually, right. <laughs> actually, I'm not. And that's not my, <laughs> that's not, that's not my first name into one. Yeah. People, right. um, <clears throat> even when I introduce myself to people, they will say my first and last name together. Um, for, and then they'll go, whoop, I don't know why I did that. That was weird. John Clark. <laughs> and then it's just one of those just, things you have to do. Yeah. And yeah. they just can't stop calling me that, which is fine. Um, right. I just roll with it because people still say Katie May and I'm like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> it's, it's just a great name. Well, thank you. Yeah. Good job. Um, good job being named. <laughs> <laughs> I take full credit. Yeah. You thank sh- you. As you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been wanting to catch up with you for a while. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's always a lot going on on the internet and in the world of practice building. And so um, it was just a matter of time before you and I got to connect. Um, but yeah, tell, tell folks a little bit about kind of who you are and what you do. And um, yeah, just kind of fill us in. Okay. Uh, let's see, where do I start? So I own and operate a teen support center in Flowertown, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Philadelphia. Um, where I employ six clinicians and we work exclusively with teens. We also have 10 groups that run through our center. And that has become my claim to fame in the online space is as what I like to call myself the group guru, where I help other therapists market, fill and run therapy groups in their practice because I've just really enjoyed filling them, running them and having them as like a part of my life and a way to support the clients that I serve. I've seen great gains in the group setting as well as just like have fun with it and really enjoy it and want to see other people and other other people get grouped up and other therapists be able to fill those groups so that we can support more people. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um what you so you call it a teen support center? Yeah. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Well, okay. Um, 
So we work exclusively with teens. I mean, typically we will see someone as young as 10 and the teen brain goes up to like age 26. So we'll see some young adults and college students as well. But I call it a teen support center because I wanted it to be a safe place for teenagers. I was working at a wellness center previously, which was a great place to grow, but they had like adult meditation and, you know, adult clients coming in where when I had my group of teens come through the door and there'd be six to eight teenagers at one time coming in to the waiting room to wait for their next group. Um, They were feeling judged. They were feeling like they couldn't be like as loud and rambunctious as they wanted to be because they came in with an energy of like, oh, I'm excited to connect with these people that I see once a week that have become really important people in my life. And a lot of them don't have those connections outside of groups. So it felt like it wasn't their space. And so when I moved out of the wellness center and created my own space, I wanted it to be a space that was just for them. It also looks really great on the sign out front that Uh says creative healing teen support (laughs) center. And when people drive by, they're like, Oh, what is a teen support center? And so it helps us to be um, a niche in the community that no one else really has. Sure. I, I just think that's fantastic. I <clears throat> worked with teenagers for for many years, and um, yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of teens have a hard time coming to counseling, or um, they would always struggle with what to call me. <laughs> they, you know, yeah. they would hesitate um, to call me their therapist or counselor, or whatever. And I always got a kick out of the different things that they would um, call me, or especially when I did work in the community or in home and stuff like that. Or like I'd be with a, a client, and they'd see a peer out in public right. and they'd be like, Oh, this is my, uh, this is just my mentor or this, <laughs> this, he's just a guy is my, you know, he's my guide or something like they would always have some, some clever name for me. And at one point it's like, Oh no, I'm a therapist. I'm this and that. And then it's like, you know what? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Like I'm, I'm right. a person in this kid's life trying to, trying to help them through some hard times. And, and that's really it. Right. I like that he he's my guide. <laughs> That's a cool thing. I might have I might I have mean, made that one up. I don't know. <laughs> that might have been just what I hope they called me. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because like I see the opposite where, you know, my dad helped me um renovate this space and make it into the center that it is. And he was like, Oh, like it's good that there's a shared parking lot with other businesses because people don't want to be in therapy or people yeah. don't want to know that that you know, want other people to know they're in therapy. But like, I've had my teen clients text me and say, Hey, we're doing the car wash for band. Can you come up and get your car washed? And I have a lot of kids that are in band and in art and things like that. So I went up with my dog, you know, I got out of the car with the dog while they washed the car. And one of the teens from across the parking lot yelled, my therapist. (laughs) And then the whole group ran over and were like talking to me. So it's become this thing that's not so taboo. At least that's my goal. And in having this center where we also run movie nights and game nights and other yoga and Mm -hmm. other things like that, it's become a place where like therapy isn't stigmatized here. It's really pretty normal. We are, um, especially LCSWs, LPCs. So I'm an LPC. You know, we're really trained um, to embed ourselves in a community. And I think sometimes we forget that in private practice. We just become yeah. this kind of closed off um, person behind this like gated door with a weird code to it. And there's no label on the office. And all right. of that it, like facilitates this experience of shame, even for adults coming to right. see us. It's like this very um, kind of private thing. Um that they end up feeling kind of embarrassed about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I'd love to talk about this for hours. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious in terms of, um, um, how you started doing, um, consulting for 
um, uh, creating, building, and marketing groups. How did you know? Uh, how did you become a consultant for that? Because I think that's a question that a lot of folks have: is when I when I start to realize I know a lot about one thing or, or something, yeah. how do I become a consultant? How do I position myself like that? What, what do I charge? Do I create a product? How, how did you navigate that? <laughs> well, it's interesting because much like anything in my life, because I had this like clear idea from the start, like when I started in the counseling field, I thought I wanted to work with adults and substance abuse. And then I tried that and I was like, that's not my thing. And kind of fell backwards into a job where I was working <clears throat> with kids and teens and then fell in love with it. And grew it and, you know, everything, when I focus on it and it becomes my passion, I make it great. That's just what I do. Um, and so the same thing with this whole consulting side of my business is I work with kids and teens, now just teens. So I'm seeing them 2 p.m. on and I have a son, but he's in school. So I'm like, there's only so many hours of the day I can walk my dog and do yoga and watch Netflix. I need to do something else with my time. And I love to create. Mm -hmm. I love to learn and all those other things. So I like dove into online marketing courses. I got myself a coach. I just learned as much as I can. I read all the time. I soak everything in. And when I started out doing this online business thing, I was like, I'm going to be a life coach. I'm going to use the skills that I have in therapy and I'm going to translate that into an online space. And I did that and it just didn't light me up the way that I thought it would. It frustrated me more than it energized me. I didn't really like working with adults in that capacity and it wasn't the rewarding process that I had thought it was going to be. And so I just sat with that and reflected on that and thought like, what are the things that I have in my life that I'm really good at, that I enjoy doing, and how can I use my gifts in a way to support other people and to further um, my own career as well. And that's when this idea of the Become a Group Guru marketing course came into existence. And when I first created it, it was 11 short video tutorials on how to market and fill groups that I sold for a very low price um, and that did really well. And so from there, I just kind of kept going and I built a community on Facebook and just kept sharing. And I mean, my whole business plan is just share, 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 give tons of value and and then invite people in for greater value because there's only so much you can give for free before people need to invest in themselves and invest in more information and more support at a deeper level. Sure. So for you, it it started with just trying something out, taking these online marketing skills that you had learned and then um, working toward this kind of life coaching stuff that didn't do it for you. And then you created uh, your first online course. Go back for a second. And you, you said you dove into these online marketing courses. Uh, where did you start exactly? And um, what were you learning? Uh, and what was what was important out of what you learned? Um. Okay, that's such a big question. I started, I don't even know how I found it, but I found this Facebook community that was like, uh, spiritual boss ladies or something like that. And so I started in there because I was really into this idea of meditation and manifesting and just, you know, tapping into that side of myself. Um, but then learning some business skills around that. And for, I don't, re I believe like, maybe five years ago, somebody had recommended Jeff Walker's launch book to me. So that I just tore up. I read through it, you know, got this idea that the money was in the list. I started creating an email list for my therapy practice, which was going really well. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing the same um, on the consulting side of my business too, where I just built a list. I launched to that list. That's how I launched 
my course the first time. I'm a, I'm a little like all over in my timeline here, but <laughs> I found these Facebook communities where I started learning about email lists sure. and online marketing and webinars and almost like experiencing them and then trying to replicate them for myself. Um, and then as I met people in those communities, I found other communities and I just kept going and learning and then reading books that were being put out there in those communities, you know, taking in all the free webinars. I joined a mastermind community, which I paid for, which then led to, you know, I have all this information, but I need some accountability and I hired a coach and then um, just went from there. Sure. So list building is a is definitely a big part of the game, uh, whether it's to promote your brick and mortar practice or um, very commonly to to promote um, an online business or yeah. a digital product or something like that. A, a lot of therapists are just just now learning about email marketing. I, I recently released um, one of my own online courses on email marketing um, for free. It was used to be a paid course. Now it's free um, because I saw that so many therapists. Um, needed help just getting started and even needed help understanding why should I, why should I be doing email marketing or why should I be even sending emails to people who already know about me or know about my practice right. so um I, I i think a lot more therapists are catching on to that now and it sounds like that was a big part of getting started for you as well talk talk a little bit about why that was so important for uh, become a group guru and um, and how you continue to use your list now that um, now that the business is running and you've got different products coming out how do you how did you build your list and how do you use it now okay so <laughs> I'm talking a lot about email marketing in my group right now as well so it's great timing to be talking about these things so mm -hmm. the way that I built my list was by offering free information I created a, a freebie or an ethical bribe and opt-in where it was a printable guide where people could enter their email address and they by sending out information on a weekly basis. Um, hey, exactly. Sorry, it just, it just cut out for one second. So go oh. back to, you offered your, your email freebie um, as a way for people to opt in, right? And just to be clear, that's super common uh, way to collect email addresses. You need to incentivize people right off the bat to sign up for your email list. It's not enough to just say, hey, sign up for my email list because you should. Um, right. <laughs> Right. And I think that is important that we get so much noise in our inboxes that it really needs to be something that stands apart and something that's really enticing for people um, to want to opt into. And then from there, continuing to build a relationship with the people that are on your list, like it's not just have them opt in and then ask them to buy something from you, but share um, more free value. And, and at that point, you know, early on, it was in the form of like a weekly email um, where I just sent out information, almost like a blog, but I would send it out as an email. And now I do more webinars and videos and inviting people to join me on live streams in my Facebook group. I find that I have so much to say for Become a Group Guru that it's easier for me to talk about it or hop on and, you know, be more interactive with it and answer questions than it is to write one blog or email here or there. And that's just what's worked for me in my fast paced life. At this point in my therapy practice, I still do send out a weekly email every single Sunday at seven or 11 o'clock. Um, that's tips, tricks, techniques, resources for parents and how to support their teen. And that I mean, I have over a 1000 contacts in the community that are mostly parents and professionals who read that email and who contact me, either email me back or call the office and ask about services that I have that I also advertise in that email weekly. So 
once you build a list, um, it's important to engage that list consistently and to offer value to them. Uh, I think that's that's the other part that uh, that therapists often miss the mark with is that they yeah. might build this list or they might go through the steps of coming up with um, a, a really enticing uh, email opt-in or freebie or whatever it is, and then mm-hmm. the list just sits there. They don't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think for for any marketing strategy, if you're going to do it, then do it well, right? I would almost right. rather people, if you're going to do email marketing, do it well, do it consistently and commit to it versus just doing it halfway. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's two thoughts I have on that. One is that I make use of a really good funnel. So I have a series of five emails that go out automatically after someone signs up for my list, because I think that it's important right off the bat for people to get to know me and get to know what to expect from me. So I'm really clear, like, hey, welcome to my list. Here's what you can expect. Here's five days of emails. I call it my free email course for parents. I have one for therapists, too. That's the five-day jumpstart guide for groups. So they're expecting to see me show up in their inbox for five days after they sign up for my list. And then from there, I say, you can expect to hear from me about weekly. So I'm always letting them know like what to expect and what I'm sharing. And I think that's one of the barriers that hold therapists back. Um, In addition to I'm not sure what I could say on a consistent basis is I'm afraid of showing up that much for people because I don't want to bother them. Mm -hmm. But if we don't show up and share, then they don't know what we have to offer and they don't benefit from it. And then who are we helping? Well, and, you know, having someone sign up for your email list is is an invitation into their inbox, which is a big deal. And so if they're there, they're, they're there and they want to hear from you, or at least they're okay with hearing from you. It's not bothering them. So that should be your proof right there. Um, the other right. thing is that, you know, people get really wigged out by getting uh, unsubscribes. So when people drop yeah. off your email list, in, in reality, that's not a bad thing either. It's when we go back to talking about things like ideal clients, you know, you're, you're just getting more of your ideal clients and then the people who are not relevant to you or your services or not, or even just kind of the culture of what you do and they're yeah. dropping off then, okay, that's one, that's one less person um, to, to kind of worry about. Um, right. So, I mean, yeah. I call it like, weeding the garden so the flowers can grow. Mm -hmm. Like you got the people that aren't interested in you are going to unsubscribe, but they were never going to buy your services anyway. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. I mean, I had kind of a similar thing with Facebook. I do a lot of Facebook marketing and more recently, like in the month of November, I have three launches going simultaneously with different projects that I'm doing. And so there was this little voice inside that was like, oh my gosh, like I have a lot going on. I'm pushing a lot of things. I'm I'm worried about annoying people. And that's a normal thing that I hear all the time. And that usually, you know, that's not a big deal for me, but with so much going on, I was like, wow. Um, But then I really thought about it. I'm like, the people that are going to be annoyed by what I have to say, were never the people that were going to buy my things anyway. So it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, I think, uh, so a lot of therapists are realizing they should do some email marketing and they're wondering where to start or they just want to get started with that. A lot of therapists um, are also wanting to create some source of uh, some additional revenue streams. And so a lot of folks are thinking about a digital product or a book or an online course. So I know yeah. you've built some great online courses and I think there's a lot that goes into it. And I think a lot of therapists don't see that. And, mm-hmm. and when they start building an online course, they don't, they don't know exactly what goes into that. And they also haven't tested the idea. So there's a lot of disappointment waiting on the other end when it flops or when no one comes. Right. Um, how, how do you know when you've got a good idea for an online course and wh- where do you start? 
Yeah. So I actually have a course about creating courses, but, and one of the things (laughs) that I talk about in there is definitely doing the market research. So I do a lot of um, research in looking in other Facebook groups, seeing what people are asking for, going on Amazon, looking at reviews of things, seeing where the holes in the market are, and then doing my own market research in terms of um, sending emails out to my list with a PS that says, hey, if you're interested in this offer, click here and fill out this survey, putting that on Facebook, like creating some kind of survey where I'm gathering information about what are the challenges that someone struggles with when it comes to email marketing or Facebook marketing or whatever, and you know what are the things that they would want to learn about. And then I gauge those responses to see, is this something that is um, marketable? And typically from there, if I have enough responses and it makes sense for me to move forward, I'll start offering free webinars um, and free value to see the kind of engagement and feedback that I'm getting. And I come up with my launch plan from that point. And I really, the the community engagement and feedback guide my offer and how I'm going to create the paid offer. Mm -hmm. So you know, if let's, I let's go back go for ahead. a second, because again, I think market research is a, a new idea for a lot of therapists. And mm-hmm. you mentioned a bunch of different places where you go to do that. Can you boil that down for us? And let's say, um, pick your top two places for, for doing market research and planning for a, a new product or new online course. Yeah, uh, I would say Facebook groups and my own surveys that I'm putting out there, which I get responses through email and Facebook. And so in in Facebook groups, what do you mean in particular? So I would go into a Facebook group. You can use that little search bar in any Facebook group and type in whatever the topic is. Let's say you're doing a group for um, Facebook marketing. Let's make it easy. So you might type into that search search bar, Facebook marketing or Facebook ads, and then all of the posts and responses that are within that group that are about Facebook ads are going to come up in a a search in that group. And then you can read through the comments and see what kinds of questions are people asking? What kind of responses are people having to those questions? What objections are coming up as they relate to the idea of Facebook ads? So you know how to market. A big part of marketing is overcoming those objections. But you also know what are the questions that I need to answer in a course? What are the objectives that I would need to have in creating this course that would actually be in response to what the market wants and needs. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you, when you have a, a certain hypothesis, like let's say people, you know, want to learn about X and then you go through this research and you realize um, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was a little off. Maybe people are more interested in something else or not interested in that thing that I was really excited about. How do you, how do you manage that? I think you need to be willing to pivot. So I know there are lots of different theories and, you know, some people say, well, if you're so passionate about it, create it and the people will come. But I never want to like cross my fingers and just hope people are going to come. I want there to be some real research behind it. And I want to ultimately pre-sell something so I'm not creating it and then people aren't haven't already paid into it in some way. Um, So for me, it's being willing to pivot. And that's actually what happened when I decided to create a course about creating courses. I had this whole mapped out plan about what the modules were going to look like. And then I did my research and I put a survey out there and they actually wanted something that was a lot, um, a lot more simple, a lot more rudimentary about some of the tech basics and things like that. So I had to pivot my whole idea, still supporting the whole general umbrella topic, but different modules within that, that they actually needed to get started. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> some folks will build an online course um, 
and they will run it for a limited time, right? And they'll create this kind of sense of urgency and you've got a limited amount of time to sign up and then it runs and then maybe it's closed or maybe you just open it a couple times a year. Um, is, is that something you practice? And also how do you keep, uh, beyond just making it kind of, um, exclusive like that? How do you Mm -hmm. prevent your online courses from getting stale? Yeah. So that is something that I do. I fully believe that there needs to be scarcity and urgency in order to support people to buy because they'll put it off forever and they won't make that decision. Um, and I do see my sales go up in the last day or two before the cart closes. I ran my Become a Group Guru big marketing course three times before I started getting bored and marketing it. And so I don't know if it was as much sale to my market as it was to me. Um, so what I do at this point is I open up a new course every month. I open up a new topic and a new theme and I do free content around that topic and theme. And then at the end of the month, I typically will open up a course for people that want to come in and learn more about that Say and get more, about more on why that. Why it's so important to offer that free content first. So you want to build your know, like, and trust factor with your audience. You want to position yourself as an expert. You want them to see that you know what you're talking about and, you know, give that information so that you're not just saying, buy my course, buy my course, buy my course. Mm -hmm. You're actually sharing things that prime them for wanting to know more about that topic and help them see that it is something that could help them. So I never just ask. I always give before I ask. Um. What would you say, and we could talk about this for a long time, but <laughs> we could. because we're just packing in a lot today, which I yeah. like, I think people people need episodes like this. Um, what's your favorite platform for hosting online courses? Because there are so many. I use Teachable. Mm-hmm. It's just what I landed on. It works well. Um, I've also run some courses more recently just in a Facebook group. So just having people pay that once they pay, they get directed to the Facebook group and then I do the lives in there and I upload the files in there. So I think for someone just starting out, it can be a really simple way to play around with offering a course without paying sure. for something extra. Yeah. But I think Teachable is really great. Yeah. I would second that. That's where my online courses are, are hosted. Um, I just think it's a really attractive and user-friendly platform. Um, it, lo- it looks good. It, it, you can make it look like your website. Um, I, I right. just think it's a nice system. Um, definitely one of the, one of the best. Yeah. My last question for you, <laughs> how, do you how, how do you price an online course? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. I'm going to answer that <laughs> honestly. Like I price a course. I think about what, what do I think the value is in this? I mean, some of my rules of thumb are like the bigger the transformation, the bigger the price tag, the more personal support, the bigger sure. the price tag. So if I'm doing like a self-study course, it might be on the lower level of like 197, something yeah. like that. Um, if I'm doing a course that has a full Facebook group and office hours and has a ton of information, it's going to be on the higher side. It's going to mm-hmm. be 500 or above. Sure. So I don't think that there's like one easy answer for that. I think it has to feel good to you. I think it has to be something that makes you excited um, and that doesn't make you feel resentful of the work you're putting into it mm-hmm. and just finding a balance. Do you have a better answer? Maybe you can help well, me. <laughs> you you, uh, you alluded to it at first. You said it depends on the value. And I think 
um, that's what I would encourage people to think about. What is the value of this course? Um, and really, what is the outcome um, that people can expect as a result of this course? I'm just thinking out loud for, for one of yours, or in, if I'm wondering how to build a group, and for my own group practice, um, if we can run a group, or because of your course, I can run two groups, and they're going to bring me an extra you know, 2K in revenue a month, then that course is worth a lot, right? And I, I also yeah. think a lot about return on investment. So if I gain enough knowledge to successfully start and promote a group, um, you know, I, that's how I would kind of think about it um, in, in yeah. terms of where, when, when are my buyers going to see a return on that investment and, and kind of focus on that. And it's just, it's just good marketing to really focus on the outcome of your product, whatever it is, whether it's a gadget or a piece of technology right. or an online course. So I, I always want people to kind of come back to that and, and figure it out from there and also kind of, you know, stay in your lane, keep your blinders on as much as possible in terms of, oh, but so-and-so is charging this much and they're much better right. than me or, you know, I feel bad charging X amount. You know, I really want people to just focus on the value that you know you are delivering and hold that value because I think, you know, if you the price is important and when you put a certain price on that on something, it conveys value to a person. It it right. sets their expectation. It primes them to to take it seriously, to engage with the course more fully and not just brush it off. So I, I think it's important to to be thoughtful about it in the beginning and like you said earlier, to be ready to to pivot even with your price and figure out some different um, right. j- just be willing to adjust and maybe dial it in after the first couple runs of, of your course. Yeah. And I think that's how I've always played it is when something is new, it's at a lower price point, but the the bigger it gets and the bigger the value and the more expert I become in it, like then the price goes up. So, and the more social proof I have that it works, the price goes up from there as well. That's it. Katie, we have packed a whole lot into our yes, little half hour here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I say this almost at the end of almost every episode, so much of success in private practice and in, in this case in, in running an online business or starting a creating a product or something is just doing a little bit at a, at a time, not getting overwhelmed to the point where you just decide to not do any of it. So I, I really do think a lot of it's about just getting started, being willing to not be to, to not be good at something in the beginning. Yeah. Um, cause I, and I imagine you went through that in your own, in your own ways, uh, and being willing to ask for help and get that help along the way. And just, just knowing that you're not going to know everything right off the bat. So, um, how, how can people get in touch with you? What do you have going on right now that you want to promote? And, um, yeah, just, just fill us in there. Yeah. So you can find me at becomeagroupguru.com. Um, there you can grab my five day free email course. There's a link to join my community. There's a bunch of free resources and blogs there. So that's definitely the best place to start. Become a group Awesome. Love it. Katie, thanks for being here. And, um, I'll see you around the internet, I guess. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. One more time. I just want to thank today's sponsor, Unconditional Media, the digital marketing team for therapists. Head on over to www.unconditional.media to learn more about the services offered, including Google AdWords, search engine optimization, and coming very soon, Facebook ads for therapists. All right. As always, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I'll see you next time. 